Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. What a season it is as we get closer to the end of 2022. Excited with the impact makers. The positive feedback is coming in on the book. Uh, The inspiration, the motivation, keep your feedback coming. And today we're going to talk about something that is absolutely critical for any successful leader and a successful team of people in an organization. That's the ability and the courage, the dare to dream, to have dreams and pursue those dreams and to get all of the benefits of achieving those dreams. And think about the last time you had a compelling dream of your own and how great it felt for you to go through the work and the sacrifice. Well, we're going to talk with a true inspirational leader today, someone who is all about making dreams come true. Jerome Myers is a developer of people and places. He's the founder and chief inspiration officer of Dreamcatchers and the Myers Development Group. Through these entities, he gets to live out his own childhood dreams of helping people achieve the things they imagine and create social proof that dreams should be real. Since he left corporate America, we're going to talk to him a little bit about that journey He has become one of the most sought-after thought leaders in the multifamily development space. So he's very involved in real estate as well, but also coaching people again in achieving dreams. So with that as a backdrop, Jerome, I can't wait to talk about how we make our dreams a reality. Welcome to Market Impact Insights. It's so good to be with you, brother. Thanks for having me on. So I want to start in, in looking at your background. What an interesting career journey from traditional corporate environment. And now you are this source of inspiration and and helping people achieve their dreams. What sparked your passion and interest to really shift gears and and be doing this for people? Man, (laughs) I, there's so many things I want to say here and I'll just go to the place of December 24th, 4.55 of my phone rings and it, voice on the other end says, Hey, Jerome, I made a decision. I was like, okay, here we go. He said, yeah, we're going to lay half the people off. It's like, that's not the right answer. He's like, yeah, you and I have been going back and forth for a few weeks. And I know that you don't agree with this decision, but that's the final decision. I said, no, that can't be the final decision. He's like, Jerome, this isn't a negotiation. I'm calling to inform you on what we're going to do next. And I was like, you can't be serious. He's like, yeah, I'm serious. And so we go back and forth. And after a few minutes, he says, hey, man, look, it's Christmas Eve. I'm going to go spend the rest of the year with my family. I'll talk to you in the new year. And it was at that moment that it sat in that I was the axe man. And it sat in that I had put myself in this illusion of control. You know, I was employee number one earlier that year, January 13th. Or I was employee number two. And by the end of September, we had 175 people on my team 
at the end of the year, $20 million in revenue, 30% profits, and we're laying people off. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why this was the right answer. So I did what I knew to do, making as an objective decision as possible on who stayed and who went. And I spent the Christmas holidays doing that. We come back in and we communicate the changes to people's employment status. And we put together the plan for making another run with a smaller group of people with a very similar workload. And we go through and we do it again. And a couple of days before Thanksgiving this time, I am standing in front of the room and I say, hey, guys, I don't know what's going to happen between now and the end of the year, but I don't want you to spend all your money on Black Friday. And I just felt all of my leadership ooze out from my gut. And I was just like, man, I have to get back to a place where the final decision is mine. This thought that I don't have final say in what happens with my team didn't sit with me. And so I I made the decision that I was going to exit corporate and go out and run my own enterprise because I thought that was the place that I really needed to be instead of this illusion that I was in control and other people could come in with their capes and save the day as a superhero, but I think Mm -hmm. just create a ton of havoc. Yeah. Yeah. So you took the control back and, and now you're, you're on this path and and it's all about helping others uh, achieve their dreams. And of course, there's a lot of focus. We, we hear it, we see it a lot um, of people that are seeking what they call balance in their lives. But I know Jerome, you say that true balance doesn't really exist. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I would encourage or invite everybody that's listening to the podcast to stand up. And of course, if you're driving, I guess you can't, but I encourage you to stand up. And I want you to balance the weight on both of your feet. Now I want you to take a step forward without unbalancing the weight on your feet. I suspect you can't move. You're standing there smiling. Balance is something that requires you to stay still. It doesn't allow you to move. If you look at a scale, if the scale's balanced, what's it read when nothing's on it? Zero. So you got this thing of nothingness. You've got this place of no progress. So why is everybody trying to achieve balance? I don't think I'm just playing with words here. I think people want to be centered. I think people want to know that they're in a place where they have a center, they have a base, and they can come back to that base. But I don't think that they're looking for balance, especially the apex performers, the high achievers. I think they are the people who are constantly striving to make progress, make a difference, make impact. And they want their weight to be felt. They don't want to be zero on a scale. And so I, I think we should be achieving or pursuing centeredness, not balance. That's really interesting because you just don't hear that term. I mean, we could relate to this idea of being centered, but we just it, it doesn't seem to have really um, entered into that uh, that framework. You know that so many people talk about work life balance, etc. But it makes so much sense because the one inevitability is change. And we see it in markets. We see it in jobs. We see it in our personal lives. It's so fluid, isn't it? This life experience in pursuit of our dreams. It is fluid. And I think you have to be nimble in order to get the most out of it. You know, if you're fixed or if it takes you a long time to adapt and change, I think you miss a tremendous amount of opportunities 
And I don't think most people who are looking to live the wild, the life of their wildest dreams actually sit in that space of fixed and unmalleable, or yeah, unmalleable, right? They they just they struggle with the thought that I can't change. In fact, I think they look forward to change. They embrace change because that's where the growth happens. Yeah. Well, speaking of growth and, and achieving breakthrough results, so kind of taking it back into a business context, in my new book, I focus a lot uh, in, in, in talking to more than 75 global leaders about exceptional leadership, all built around this idea of servant leadership mindset, which is all about empowering others. It's really moving away from traditional command control and really empowering and putting the trust in others and removing barriers for others to lift others up to, uh, to achieve everything that they can be. What does servant leadership mean to you? And how do you see that, uh, that mindset playing out into this idea of pursuing dreams? Servant leadership is the basis of everything for somebody who wants to build something big. I don't believe that if you are someone who is looking for all of the folks on your team to serve you, that you will get any of the loyalty or the allegiance that comes with what that's necessary to build a large organization. I think we as leaders are there to serve those who are out doing the work of the organization. And in our service, we earn their allegiance and loyalty. Your book, Simon Sinek, talks about it. And John Maxwell, I think, probably even takes it a level deeper and just kind of hammers home. And I, I guess we can take all of those back to the Bible. It really just hammers home that in order to, to inspire people to go to that next level, service is a necessary part of that equation. And if you feel like you're too good to serve, then that's going to permeate through the organization. And if you're in a customer-facing business and you're not willing to serve, well, where's the value? Right, right. And, you know, so often when we think about dreams, we personalize and we say, well, it's always got to be about something that I want, uh, that I aspire to. But actually, dreams can be all about the impact you can have on other people achieving things that they have the potential to achieve, right? So it kind of, you can look at it from a whole different standpoint of dreams really being about how you can impact others and, and, and really externalize it from just being something that's more of a selfish, all about me kind of mindset. Selfish, all about me, from my perspective, never wins. In fact, I, I in college, I, I was audacious enough to get a tattoo that says selfish desires to lead, lead to lead to little for self. So think about this. If you're doing something solely because of the benefit that it creates for you, then you're looking for a, a win-lose situation. And if you're willing to win at all costs, I suspect that you live in a world where you think everybody else is operating in the same manner. And if everybody operates in that manner, then it's a very cold, brutal place. And that's just not the world that I want to live in. And I don't think the majority of 
folks who have an abundant mindset want to see that world in existence either. And it takes me back to this notion of be the change that you want to see, right? And so it's taking some of that responsibility to, to play a role in that. I think we all have to be the change. And so, you know, our foundational model is called the red pill. It's the model for a centered life. And level one of that model is self-image. And so, but we believe that you have to take the red pill, right? It starts within and then it radiates out. We are the change. As soon as we come into a space, we change the space just by our presence. Don't have to do anything, just have to be there. Then when we start doing things, we can create even bigger waves. If you look at a pond and the water is still, it's at rest, you drop a rock in, just this presence in the water makes an adjustment. You've got a glass, you have ice in it, you add water, it changes. If you have a, a glass of water or a glass of ice and you add water, or the other way around, if you have a glass of water and you add ice, it changes. And so just the concept that you can change by being present is something that I think so many of us take for granted. Many of us think we don't matter. Many of us think that we can't be a change maker. But just your presence makes a difference. And of course, you work with so many different people uh, in your coaching and in inspiring. And it's about building relationships. And in, in any business, in any team, people coming together, there's this dynamic of the relationships that exist one-to-one -one or at a group level. Where does relationship building from your view come into this you know achieving dreams pursuit of dreams you know the, what are the relationship dynamics that we need to be thinking about and i'm so glad you asked this question because we've been working on this model for about six months now and so level two of our model is relationships and so first you fix a relationship with yourself then you fix a relationship with others and we've got this two by two model uh, the upper right-hand corner is mutually beneficial. We, or th That's the ideal situation for every relationship. Then on, on the bottom of that is going to be a relationship that's underutilized or under-leveraged. To the left of that is going to be a draining relationship. And then above that is going to be a relationship that is one where you're uninspired. And so the axis, and I probably should have started with the axes, but this is the first time I'm actually explaining the model. It's hot off the press for you, you and your listeners, is one has capacity, the x-axis has capacity, and then the y-axis is contribution. And I think that is what defines all relationships, the capacity of the relationship and the contribution to in the relationship. So if you have high capacity and you have high contribution, the relationship is going to be mutually beneficial if you are somebody who is of high capacity and high contribution. If you have a relationship that is of high contribution and low capacity, you're going to be uninspired by that relationship. And I think everybody can think of a relationship where somebody's eager to help them, but they don't really want their help because it's at a low capacity. If we come down to the bottom right-hand quadrant where you have 
high capacity and low contribution, we're going to say that's underutilized or under leveraged. And we need to figure out how to get that relationship higher contribution so that we can maximize the resources available to us. And if I come back to the low, low quadrant, low capacity, low contribution, that relationship is going to be draining. This person can't really do anything for us and they don't really try to do anything for us. And so us spending time with them is going to be draining. I probably should have had a whiteboard to draw that all out. But I mean, what do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, no, it's fascinating. And the thing I was thinking about is a term I hear over and over and over again, which is this I, this concept of win-win. And so many people I know in situations I've been in, in corporate life, I've seen people with mindsets that said, you know what, I relish the idea of negotiating or competing because there needs to be a winner and there needs to be a loser, right? And I want to be a winner. And that holds true, certainly in sporting contests where it's very definitive, there is a winner and there's a loser in terms of scoreboard. But there's another point of view that says, if we're all about not just focusing or being fixated on must be winner versus loser, but in the idea that maybe more than one can win, we all can win and we all take unique benefits out of coming together and working together on a project or in developing a relationship doesn't that make the whole ecosystem healthier and better because we're both winning? So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it is this win-win versus a win versus lose at all costs. I, I believe contribution is what we are placed on this planet to do. And if you're not contributing to make the world a better place, I'm not sure that you deserve to have your breath. And it, it may feel very strong when somebody hears that for the first time. But I mean, think about it. Your life has been improved by other people's contribution, even if they never met you. So who are you to think that things are only here to make your life better and that you have no obligation to serve and give to others? Yeah, you're coming back to this this sense of uh, community and the importance of community versus uh, we're, we're not, as humans, we're not designed to be um, isolated beings uh, that that really the magic happens when we come together and create communities with others. We do it on on a more personal level from a family standpoint, but into our groups or communities of special interest, communities through our schools, school uh, loyalties, allegiances that last a lifetime. And so this idea of um, the importance of as a human being part of something bigger than just yourself and then contributing to its success, uh, it's powerful. Very. You know, level six of our model is significance, and we believe that is the only true success. So once people get through levels one through five, and I won't run through all of them, but what I'll say is when people have the freedom of being able to do what they want, when they want, with who they want, they think that they've arrived. They think that that's it. But we call that self-actualization. And we think there's another level, level six, significance, where you actually find fulfillment. You don't find fulfillment in getting. You find fulfillment in giving. And I don't know of any scholarly article that will suggest that there's any other solution to truly getting and finding the meaning of your life other than going out and serving and contributing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, this idea of significance, because that's a perfect segue, because so many people 
are chasing this notion of what we call success. You talk a lot about this idea of achieving significance. Can you just go a little bit deeper into what what is ultimately significance? I think significance is the place where you're able to give freely to others without expecting anything in return. And when you get to that place, you start hearing things like, I couldn't have done this without you. You changed my life. I don't know where I would be had you not come into my environment or my ecosystem. And when you start hearing those things, then you become immortal because that piece of you will stay with them for the rest of their existence. And hopefully they will take that and give it to somebody else. And then they'll give that to somebody else. And then there's this ripple effect that happens. And there are people that you've never talked to who are benefiting from your investment in somebody else. And I don't know what's more wonderful than that. Yeah. That investment, that impact and that influence, it's, it really expands. It's like uh, various layers um, over time and, and, and expanded uh, out to um, interconnected relationships that they have. And so more and more people. So uh, changing one person's life, actually downstream, you're actually impacting multiple people's lives, right? Uh, because of who they interact with and how that change is going to allow them to, to do that. So it just, it, it could be exponential in terms of the impact. Well, and that's what we're going for. We're going for an impact change experience that can't be quantified. Right? If you do it right, then you will touch so many people and you won't even know it. And you're okay with that because you're giving without expecting something in return. That's right. That's right. And really, really compelling. And, and ultimately, uh, again, the ways in which the impact's going to be measured may, may or may not have something to do with traditional business metrics. It may have to do with just uh, inspiration, motivation. Perhaps um, if two more people um, were motivated to, to devote their life to serving that otherwise would not have, but because of influence, you know, we're able to go there. Uh, it can be across a wide range of different factors, but I know that you're passionate about engaging and connecting with people and, and, and really helping to elevate them towards their dreams. But I want to flip this around Jerome and ask you, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Start now. I think there's so many people out there who, and I was one of them who who were pushing off doing the thing that they know they were placed on this planet to do because they didn't feel like they had reached a place where it was okay for them to go do that. And I think it's the greatest tragedy of a person's life because what if you don't ever reach that place where you feel like it's okay for you to go do it? Start now. Start now. Makes total sense. And we're obviously in really disruptive, crazy times, you know, unprecedented times really over the last two, three years, uh, just so many changes happening in the world around us. But given that, when you look ahead to the future, Jerome, what makes you optimistic? 
What makes me optimistic? Humanity. And it might sound like a pipe dream, but I just believe that there's this awakening happening where more people are realizing that service, servant leadership is the way to make the world a better place. And by them serving those who are entrusted in their care, the ones who they're shepherding to the goal, the place where they see often the vision, that they will continue to spread that concept. And if you get enough people doing things the right way, and I use air quotes around the right way, the world just gets better. And my children live in a world that's better than the world that I live in. I know for a fact that I live in a world that's better than the one that my parents grew up in. And if I get a few generations down, could we be living in utopia? Yeah, it's it's the idea of kind of incremental improvement, continuous learning um, and continuous improvement. Uh, just hopefully um, just leading to a better condition, human condition. And that is something we all can get optimistic about. I I would be thrilled to see that. <laughs> well, Jerome, as we start wrapping up our conversation, do you have any other final advice for business leaders that are looking to elevate the impact or the performance of their teams? Be willing to serve and be willing to serve in a way that people haven't experienced it before and watch how that matriculates down through the organization and to the customer. And I can guarantee you, you'll see retention with your customers go up. You'll see referrals from your customers go up. And in the end, I think that will grow your revenue, which I think most people are focused on. It all comes back to that servant leadership mindset, doesn't it? I, every time. Well, Jerome, thank you so much for joining and, and sharing a little bit more about your journey and your commitment to serving others, having that servant leadership mindset, and again, inspiring and motivating people to start now and go and pursue their dreams. Thank you again. Thanks for having me, Dan. And a reminder to please continue to give us the gift of feedback on this podcast, what you like about this podcast how we can continuously improve. You can easily rate and review. Go out and do that on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.